We now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you. Say this out loud, bold and strong with me, please. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am what God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am an absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the home, the family, the marriage, and so on. Two Sundays ago, we talked about courageous manhood, what it means to be a courageous man in our world today. Last Sunday, Pastor Steve did an amazing job talking to us about marriage and family. And uh, this morning, I want to just touch on another aspect of family life. I want to talk about like father, like son. I want to talk about nurturing children. And I am not an expert. I'm not an expert on parenting. But I am passionate about parenting. I love it. And so I just want to share some things that that I've learned, which hopefully will be helpful to you. And uh, if this is insufficient, then please speak to some trained parenting experts. They'll give you a whole lot more. And uh, definitely pick up books, read books on parenting and so on. You know, when a young couple gets together before their marriage, their whole world is filled with romance. Everything is so romantic. They're on cloud nine until wedding day. After they said, I do, something gets attached to that world of romance. It's called responsibility. And responsibility brings them down from cloud nine to ground zero. Reality. And then come, you know, once they get married, they start living together and there are bills to pay, rent to pay and all kinds of things to take care of, which till that time, everything came free. And added to that comes the arrival of children. Mary and John come along, you know, kids come along, greater responsibility, the responsibility increases. And so... Once you're in marriage, along with family, with children, there is this whole thing, this this tension between romance and responsibility. And as married people, our life could go one of three ways. Some people try to just continue in a world of romance and ignore responsibility. Unfortunately, you find that that road doesn't go too far. Because reality strikes and demands responsibility. And on the other extreme, and, and unfortunately, this is my observation, it seems like many people take this road, where responsibility squashes romance. And this journey of marriage becomes one of a lifeless tolerance for the years to go by. 
The romance was just something they knew a couple of years ago when they were dating or getting to know each other. Responsibility has come in and children have come. And now this whole thing about romance is gone. It doesn't exist. And unfortunately, it seems like, and this is my observation, I may be wrong. It seems like many marriages take, go down this path. Many. But I want to encourage us, and I know it's not easy, but I want to encourage us to pursue a life where there is a, a married life, where there is a balance between romance and responsibility. You keep up with responsibility, but maintain romance. Enjoy the journey. I know it's not easy. I want to encourage us to do that. And this morning, part of the responsibility has to do with nurturing children. And so I want us, I want us to look in the word of God and understand some things about nurturing children. Now, there may be several categories of people here. Many of you young people. Oh, pastor, I should have come to church today. Children. Now listen, young men, young women. I know you may not be married yet. But there will come a day when you will get married and have your own children. And it's important to be prepared for that. So look at this morning's sermon as a preparation for the day and the time when you will be a parent. And Johnny will be running all around the house. Right? So don't tune off. Now some of you, for some reason, may not have any biological children. But everything we learn today can also be applied to spiritual children. People that you nurture in life and you have the opportunity to mentor, nurture, whatever word you want to use. Whose lives you have the opportunity to give into. These same things can be applied in that context as well. So whether you are a biological parent or you're just a spiritual parent to many people. Or some of us may be both biological parents and spiritual leaders and nurturers to others. Things we talk about today will apply to all of these contexts. Now first we must understand the heart of God. That God desires godly seed, meaning godly children. God is looking out for godly children. In Malachi chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, the context of marriage, Malachi says, you know, God's been a witness to your marriage covenant, and He's blessed you with a remnant or a portion of His Holy Spirit. For what reason? Why was God so interested in your wedding? I mean, why would God attend your wedding? Why would God observe that covenant? For this reason, he says in verse 15, He seeks godly offspring. What is God looking for? Godly offspring. God is interested in seeing godly sons and daughters, godly children being raised up in this world. God has an interest in that. When God called Abraham in the book of Genesis, the 18th chapter, the 19th verse, Here's what God says. He says, I have known him. Or I got in, I connected with Abraham. For what reason? I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him. That they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice. That the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Try to understand this verse. God is saying, I connected with Abraham. For what reason? So that. He may raise up children who may walk in my ways. 
Why did God establish a covenant with Abraham? So that Abraham would raise up children. Would walk in the ways of the Lord. You and I, Abraham is the father of our faith. You and I are in covenant with God. And what I want to impress on our hearts this morning is part of this covenant responsibility. Part of the responsibility that we have as being in covenant with God is this. That we raise up children who know the ways of the Lord. Amen? We are in covenant with God. Covenant brings its blessings. But covenant also has its responsibilities. And one of the responsibilities of being in covenant with God is spelled out here in Genesis 18-19. I have known him in order that he may raise up children. After him, would walk in the way of the Lord. If you're a believer, you're in covenant with God. Your responsibility of being in covenant with God is to raise up children, godly children, who will walk in the ways of the Lord. Psalm 127 verse 3, a very familiar verse says, Behold, children are an inheritance from the Lord. Meaning God gives you children as an inheritance, a blessing, a gift, a reward, that verse says. What do you do with an inheritance? It's given to you so that you can make good use of it. Be a good steward of it. Not misuse it. So your children really are an inheritance from God. That God has given to you saying, take, I'm giving these kids to you as an inheritance. Take good care of them. Amen? Here's a poem that was written back in 1954. A lady named Dorothy Law, she was a, a family expert, parenting consultant and so on, a PhD in that. And uh, some of you may have seen this poem. She wrote this poem, Children learn what they live. Children learn what they? She didn't say children learn what they're taught. Children learn what they live. And this is the second edition of that same poem, which is revised a bit. It's very, very, very powerful. Listen to this. Here's what she writes. If children live with criticism... They learn to condemn. If children live with hostility, they learn to fight. If children live with fear, they learn to be apprehensive. If children live with pity, they learn to feel sorry for themselves. If children live with ridicule, they learn to feel shy. If children live with jealousy, They learn to feel envy. If children live with shame, they learn to feel guilty. But here are the positives. If children live with encouragement, they learn confidence. If children live with tolerance, they learn patience. If children live with praise, they learn appreciation. If children live with acceptance, they learn to love. If children live with approval, they learn to like themselves. If children live with recognition, they learn it is good to have a goal. If children live with sharing, they learn generosity. If children live with honesty, they learn truthfulness. If children live with fairness, 
they learn justice. If children live with kindness and consideration, they learn respect. If children live with security, they learn to have faith in themselves and in those about them. If children live with friendliness, they learn the world is a nice place in which to live. So question, what kind of an environment do we have in our homes in which our children are living? That environment is created by us parents. The way we speak, what we do, how we conduct ourselves day to day. What kind of environment are we creating for our children to live in? If that environment, is that environment filled with criticism, hostility, fear? Pity, ridicule, jealousy, and shame. We are nurturing negative things in our children. Things that are actually detrimental for their future. But if us as parents, through the way we live, what we say, how we speak, create an environment that's very positive, that's filled with encouragement, tolerance, praise, Acceptance, approval, recognition, sharing, honesty, fairness, kindness and consideration, security and friendliness. We are really empowering our children to be mighty men and women on the earth. Amen? Children learn what they live. The other important thing just for us, just to mention here before we get into scripture. Is that, you know, as parents, we must... Learn to adapt to the stages of growth and development of our children. You know, infants are very cute. Ah, they carry them in your arms, they cuddle them, sleep with them, except when they wake you up in the night. You know, it's very nice enjoying little infants, and then they become toddlers. That's so cute. You know, this trying to learn to walk and speak and all of that. But then they don't remain that way. Soon they're going to become children, teenagers, young adults, married adults. And we as parents must learn to change the way we relate to them as they grow through various stages. Of course, there are physical changes that take place. There are social and emotional things that develop. But thinking and communicating skills also change. How many teenagers have you met? Young adults who say, my parents still treat me as a kid. The kid has grown up, but parents haven't changed. They still want to treat their little one as a little one. He's now or she's now a young adult, perhaps even married and so on. So as parents, we must learn to change as our children grow. And develop in all their various areas of life. Here's a quote from Johann Wolfgang, a, a, again a German scientist. Here's what he said. He said, if you treat an individual as he is, he will remain how he is. But if you treat him as if he were what he ought to be and could be, he will become. What he ought to be and could be. So parents, how are you treating your kids? 
still changing the diapers? Or are you encouraging them to become what they could be and ought to be? Treating them that way as adults, grown-ups, talking about their future and what they should be and could be in days to come. How you treat will determine how much they grow and where they go in life. So I want to share some biblical instructions and practical things. Again, this is not comprehensive. It's just some things that I find useful in my own life and just want to share that with us. Now, so as I was preparing this message, I said, okay, as a parent, what is my mission statement? And what am I doing with my kids? Let me write a mission statement as a parent. So here's what came out of me and you can adapt it or you may write something different. But here's what I put down as a parent. My mission statement is to nurture my child in the ways of the Lord and to help my child discover and develop God-given gifts and talents so that my child can be equipped for life and empowered to fulfill the purpose of God. Amen? What's your mission statement with your kids? Get them out of school, college, and get them out of home. Quick. Is that your mission statement? Or is it, you know, I only have maybe 18 years with them. Just 18 years. And out of the 18 years, the first three years, you know, it's all gone and changing diapers and just teaching them the very basics. What what am I going to do in the next 15 years that I have with them? What's my objective? What's my mission? Working with them. I put it down as to nurture my children in the ways of the Lord. I want them to know and learn the ways of the Lord. I want to help help them discover and develop their God-given gifts and talents. In each child, there are things God has already deposited in them. In seed form. As parents, it's our responsibility to help them discover that and develop that so that they could get ready, be equipped for life and empowered to fulfill the purpose of God. Amen? So, here are some practical things that we could do as parents. First, number one, grow in the Lord so that your children can follow you. Amen? Grow in the Lord so that your children can follow you. See, don't delegate the spiritual nurturing of your children to Sunday school, to others. What is going to happen in two hours? I mean, good things can happen. Please, don't, (laughs) don't get me wrong. But as a parent, the spiritual nurturing of your children is your responsibility. The Children's church will help, will assist, will aid in that. But you are responsible, we are responsible to nurture our children. So in order to do that, I myself must be growing in the Lord. Joshua 24 verses 13 to 15, again a very well known passage of scripture. Where Joshua, he's brought the people of God, the people of Israel into the promised land. They've crossed the river Jordan, they're in the land of Canaan. He's about the end of his life. He's brought them in and he tells them, 
You know, he says, I've given you a land which is good, but he did not labor for, cities which you didn't build, and you're dwelling in them, you're eating fruit of vineyards and olive groves which you didn't plant. And he, and he exhorts them, he says in verse 14, Fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your father served. And verse 15, he says, If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that are on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And here's that powerful statement that we all quote, But as for me and my house, we will serve the so Joshua is saying, guys, I'm encouraging, he's encouraging the whole congregation, saying, guys, I want all of you to serve God, but that's your choice. But here's what my mind's made up. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As a parent, as a father, as a mother, you've got to have that resolve in your house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? It's got to start with you. Start with us as parents. In Psalm 78, verses 1 through 6, uh, God reminds his people. He says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and have known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord. And his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob. And he appointed a law in Israel. Which he commanded our fathers. That they should make them known to their children. That the generation to come might know them. The children who would be born. That they may arise and declare them to their children. God established something in Israel. He said, guys I want you to learn my ways. And I want you to make it known to your children. And teach them so that they can make them known to their children. So would we as parents take up that responsibility for us to know God. So that we can know his ways and the wonders he has done. And then turn around and pass it on to our children. The second important thing for us as parents is to be involved. Get involved in the lives or in the life of your child or the lives of your children. Proverbs 22 and verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Get involved in the life of your child. Don't disengage. Don't disconnect. Train up the child in the way he should go. And when he's grown up, he'll continue in those ways. You only have maybe 15 years with your child. Don't delegate those 15 years to the school teacher, Sunday school teacher, music teacher, football coach. Ah, they're all doing my job for me. No, 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 no. You're the parent, not they. You train up your child. Amen? I know we're all busy. I'm busy. I know you're busy too. And yet I feel we have no excuse To abandon this responsibility of parenting. If you're too busy to parent, then you've got to ask the tough question What are my priorities? Where are you spending your time? Where are you investing your energy? Where are your resources going? 
What is your life going to produce ultimately? Tough questions. But these are questions that determine your priority and, and explain what your priorities really are. If our priorities are in disorder, where we have no time to parent the very children we brought into the world, I think it's time to press the pause button. Reorganize priorities. And take up this responsibility. Amen? The failure to nurture generations or the next generation. We see several examples of that in the Bible. David was an example. Where he failed to nurture his own children. In second, the book, second Samuel, the chapters 13, 14, and 15. David had now become one of you know, the, the greatest kings of Israel. Big kingdom. Overpowered all the enemies. Great man of God. Psalmist, prophet, priest, whatever. But in 2 Samuel chapters 13, 14, 15, we see something very appalling about his parenting. He had several children. Absalom was one of them. Tamar was one of them. And right in, in his own home, incest took place. And the Bible says David was angry when he heard it, but he never did anything about it. Absalom was waiting for his father to step in and, and do something. And he never, never did. He was disengaged. Probably busy with the kingdom. Probably planning the next battle. I don't know. And so Absalom decided to take things in his own hands and in his own house. In David's own house, murder happened. Absalom killed his own second brother. David was angry and so Absalom ran for his life. Went away, hid himself and David didn't do anything about it. So Joab, the commander of David's armies, he realizes like, something's wrong with this guy. Let's fix him. So he does the, the best thing. He finds a lady. And he says, please go talk to the king. Wake him up. So this lady comes with all fear and trembling and says, king, don't get upset with me. Joab sent me. But here's the issue. You aren't doing anything about Absalom. Oh, Absalom. Oh, okay, okay. Get him back. Bring him back to Jerusalem. Tell him everything's okay. Get him back. So Absalom comes back hoping to see his dad. Chapter 15, 14, 15 is appalling. David doesn't even meet him. He sends word and says, go home. And so consequently what happens? David is so disengaged with his own children. Absalom rebels against his own father. He raises a revolt in David's own house. So that David has to run for his own life. What happens when you disengage with your own children? They bring unnecessary trouble. Eli, Joshua, whom we just read about, who said, as for me and my house, will serve the Lord, something wrong when, uh, happened right after that. When you read the book of Judges, in Judges chapter 2, verses 88 onwards, a very sad story. It says this, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the son of the Lord, died when he was about 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath Heres in the mountain of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gash. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Baals. 
Can you imagine this leader? A great man, the very man who said, as for me and my house, will serve the Lord. Somewhere along the way, he failed to impart the vision that the next generation has to be reminded of the ways of the Lord. So when he died and that generation passed away, the Bible says a generation arose who knew nothing about God. And here they went after other false gods. If we fail to get involved in the lives of our own children, if we fail to impart into their lives the knowledge of the Lord, here's what will happen. You'll find them going astray, serving other gods. The same thing happened to Eli, a priest in the house of the Lord. His sons went away from God. Same thing happened to Samuel, a great prophet. Perhaps one of the great pioneering prophets. He neglected his own children. They went away from God. So just because you serve God, or you walk with God, does not give us a reason to disengage from the lives of our children. Amen? Get involved. Number three. Parents, you're going to love this. Bring discipline the right way. You know, for us Asians, Indians, you know, it's only these Americans who have this big debate, should I spank or not spank? You know, the Western world is asking all these questions. Should kids be spanked or not spanked? I mean, we Indians don't even think about it. It's natural. <laughs> you know, we had two bamboo, two or three, I don't know how many bamboo canes at home. We used them very liberally on our kids and they grow up, growing up and they all broke, you know. So we don't think twice about spanking kids. And to give your parents a little bit of encouragement, the book of Proverbs has many scriptures on that. I just run through it so you don't feel guilty about spanking your kids. Proverbs 13, 24. He who spares his rod hates his son. Now when you read the word son, girls don't think therefore the my dad shouldn't spank me, you know. I just read it as children, okay? He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Proverbs nineteen eighteen: Chasten your son while there is hope, and do not set your heart on his destruction. Proverbs twenty two fifteen: Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. Proverbs 23, 13. Do not withhold correction from a child. For if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. Proverbs 29, 15. The rod and rebuke give wisdom. But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Proverbs 29, 17. Correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give you delight. Give delight to your soul. So the Bible is very enthusiastic in encouraging us parents. To discipline our children. However. How you discipline. Is absolutely important. Now here's some. Practical advice. Deal with character. Not just the behavior. I mean you can lock your kids up in a cage. And say I got them under control. I was like little Johnny. You know, mom says, Johnny, go, kneel down in the corner. And Johnny goes, kneels down. And he says, I'm kneeling down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. You know. So, our goal is not just to change behavior. 
Our goal is to mold character. Behavior, you can whip them and change it. But that will only last while you're around. When you're out of sight, when that rod is not around, what kind of kid is he going to be? So you've got to focus on character. Character is determined by things like attitudes, values, motives. So mold character. Not just the behavior. Speak into the value system. Speak into the attitudes. Speak into the motivations. And when you mold character, behavior will automatically change. Amen? And some of us, you know, Paul is an interesting man. He was neither married, neither did he have children. But he gave us great insight on parenting. In Ephesians chapter 6, and this of course is from the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, he says, And you fathers, and applies to mothers as well, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And he says it differently in Colossians 3, in verse 21, he says, Fathers or mothers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. In other words, he's pointing out something that could go wrong in the process of disciplining people, kids. He says, you know, if you are so overbearing, you could actually provoke your child to get angry with you. Don't do that. So my son's so angry with me, my daughter's so angry with me. Yeah, you did it. You provoke them, you push them into that state. Why? By being so overbearing. The other thing that can happen by being overbearing, overly strict, is he says, don't be so strict, Colossians 3, lest they become discouraged. Meaning, you're actually going to be detrimental to their lives. You're going to break their inner person. Discouraged. They're going to come up with this thing of, I'm no good, I'm no use. You've broken their inner person. Why? The wrong way of disciplining. So Proverbs 16 and verse 21 says, The wise in heart will be called prudent. And sweetness of the lips increases learning. Sweetness of the lips increases. You want them to learn? Don't use the machine gun. Why did you do this? Relax. Sweetness of the lips increases. You want them to learn? Talk to them aramsay, sweetly. <laughs> the sweetness of the lips increases learning. How you speak to them matters. If you want them to learn, the sweetness of lips increases learning. Number four, use teachable moments. Use teachable moments. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 8, God says, you know, He speaks with people in the Old Testament. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today will be in your heart. Teach them to your children, diligently to your children. 
Talk to them when you sit down at coffee day. When you walk through Central. When you lie down in Cobbin Park. And when you rise up. Bind them as a sign on your hands. And let them be as frontlets between your eyes. In other words, put them on display. What's God saying? He's saying, you know, parents, you store up my word in your heart. Carry the word with you all the time. Put in your heart. And to the normal course of your life, of your day. When you sit down, when you rise up, when you come and when you go, I mean, just through everything that happens in the day, teach them my words. Amen. Just during the course of the day, use teachable moments. Now, say so maybe you've gone to, uh, this, you're going to this Christian concert, you know, taking your son with you, and, and your son sees another guy up there and says, Hey, how are you? And he says, Yeah, man, do you have a ticket? No, I don't have any ticket. How are you getting? Hey, don't worry, I'll show you how to get in. And he climbs over the fence, jumps in, says, Don't tell pastor. And he goes and sits in there. This happened. It's a teachable moment. Call his son aside. Hey, son, what he did, is it right or wrong? Why is it wrong? It's a teachable moment. You're speaking into his values. Simple. In everyday course of life, you're speaking into them. Just ordinary things. It doesn't have to, you don't have to change your language into King James. My child, attend to my words. (laughs) What thou hast seen, Thou must not do. Neither go across the fence. You know, don't use. Just speak simple English. Just simple words. Use teachable moments to the course of your day. Proverbs twenty-five verses eleven and twelve says, "A word fitly spoken." The Message Bible says, "The right word at the right time." It's like apples of gold in settings of silver. You know, you don't have to give long lectures. The right word at the right time. It's like apples of gold in settings of silver. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold. Meaning this is priceless. Is a wise rebuker to an obedient ear. Need to know how to speak wisely. A word fitly spoken. It's priceless. It's like a wise rebuke on an obedient ear. Yeah, there are times you need to sit down with the kids and have some serious discussion. But you know, it's those little sentences that you say. It's those words fitly spoken in the normal course of the day that leaves a lasting impression on them. You're speaking into their character, shaping their lives. Share stories. You know, my kids like to hear stories. I mean, true stories. I'm not talking jungle book stories. <laughs> so every now and then I sit down and tell them stories, things that happen in my life. Struggles I went through, ups and downs, how God answered prayer. You know what? Through your own life experiences, when you share what you've been through, you're painting pictures of God. Who God is, what He does, how He answers prayer. Share your stories, your own experience, your own journey with God. Share it with them. And yes, it's important to have a time of prayer together as a family. But please, mothers, 
Please pray short prayers. I mean, can you imagine you're calling little Johnny to come for prayer? And he knows this is going to be an ordeal. And mom and dad begin to pray. They travel the universe. Please make it an enjoyable experience. You will always return to your place of pleasure. Make it a pleasurable place, your family altar. Not a boring ordeal that they have to sit through until this one hour of prayer gets over. No. Slowly build into it, but make it an enjoyment. Get them involved. Let them read. Let them sing. Let them pray. So, but he only prays for his own food and all that. It's okay. Let them get started. And soon, they'll grow. Number five. Nature, don't force. Allow children to discover their own gifting and calling. Your goal, your objective is to provide the right environment to encourage that gifting. Avoid pushing children into areas they're not suited. Give them time for growth and development. They're not going to become stars overnight. And let them be their own, not a shadow of you. You know, I think this is a problem with us in our culture. Great-grandfather was a doctor. Mommy, daddy were doctors. Our grand- grandparents were doctors. Parents were doctors. So you have no choice to be but to be a doctor. And so we try to fit our kids into things that they're not really suited for. And, and this is so detrimental. It's actually, if you look at it, an hindrance to the plan of God. So about, what about my family name? What about it? You got to keep up the tradition. We all have to be doctors. What's more important? Is it the purpose of God being fulfilled through your children? Or is it your family name? Or whatever tradition you Joshua and Ruth are just totally different. The wonderful thing is, it's somehow in their early age, they've kind of understood what God made them for. And Ruth already says, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a teacher. And she's got all that, that, that leadership thing. You know, she's the ringleader and all the girls. There. <laughs> and Joshua's totally different. He's very artistic, musical, and very technical. That's, that's his space. And so we encourage him in that. No compulsion to become like daddy or mommy or whatever. You be your own. And as you discover these, these things in them, give them the environment to grow in that. I don't know when it was. I think sometime last year got Joshua with a, a computer with internet connection. Now, as a parent, I'll be so afraid. You know, you give him his own computer, 24-7 internet connection. I mean, wouldn't that destroy him? I'm not looking at it that way. I'm looking at it this way. He's got an interest to learn, to develop certain skills, and this is going to help him do that. And when I told him, Josh, this is what I'm getting is amazing. On YouTube, he's learned so much. He's, he knows Photoshop already. I mean, he's mastered so much, which would never have happened if he didn't have a computer with an internet connection. But there's a amount of trust. You set some guidelines, you know. This is when you have to use it. This is what it's for. But you're saying you're giving a 13-year-old free access? Yeah. Trust, nurture, encourage. Until today he hasn't misused it. As a parent, that's your role. Nurture whatever good things you see in them. Amen.
Let me just mention this. Psalm 127.3 says, you know, children are heritage from the Lord like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are children of, you, of our youth. So like arrows in the hands of a warrior. One important thing, arrows have to be aimed. Can you imagine if, uh, you know, a warrior's look, take his arrow, wow, where did that go, you know? <laughs> Unfortunately, most of us parents are like that. We release our children and wonder, where, I wonder where they're going. Arrows have to be aimed. You are responsible for giving them the direction, God's direction for their lives. Number six, the last one, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You know, what I've experienced is this, that there may be times when suddenly the Holy Spirit just prompt me to share a particular story, I share a certain experience, remind them about something, and I'll just do that. Just to speak into their lives. And there's nothing complicated. I don't say, thus says the Lord. No. Just like, hey, I want to tell you a story. Say something. But that was actually prompted by the Holy Spirit. Because I was not going that direction. I wasn't even thinking of it. But suddenly the Spirit said, share that story. Share that verse. Just share. Very, very, be calm. Don't have to be spooky. Just share that little story. That verse. The Holy Spirit will help you in doing all of this. Another important thing for us parents, you know, parents, you and I must learn to deal with tough topics. Talk to your kids, of course, at the right time, about movies, music, friends, parties, drinking, smoking, discovering their life, dream, encourage the development of their skills, interests, talents, develop a life plan, impart in the fear of the Lord, faith in God, dating, marriage, sexuality. Talk about these things. Amen? I mean, what would it be better for them to learn about these things from their own parents or to learn about these things from somebody else? You, we must talk to them about these things. And as much as David failed in the early stages of his life in nurturing children, later on when he had Solomon through Bathsheba, he did a good job. In Proverbs 4 verses 3 to 7, Solomon is writing, and this is what David did for him. He says, when I was my father's son, tender and, and the only one in the sight of my mother, she, he was the only son through Bathsheba. He also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. So here this time, David got it right. He told Solomon, Solomon, I want you to listen to me. Solomon, wisdom is a principal thing, so get wisdom. Many years later, as a grown-up man, when he became king, God appears to Solomon and says, Solomon, ask whatever you want, I'll give you. Solomon must have remembered what his dad taught him. Get wisdom. That's the principal thing. So without even questioning, Solomon turns around and says, God, I want wisdom. Why? My dad taught me, get wisdom. Speak in to the lives of your children. There are several promises in the Bible for children that you you and I can use for prayer and proclamation over their lives. I'll just run through some of them. Isaiah 8.18. Isaiah says, Here and I, the children the Lord has given me, we are for signs and wonders in Israel. So I speak and say, Me and my children, we are here for signs and for wonders in this city and in this nation. Want to show forth God's glory. Isaiah 44, verse 3 and 4. God says, I'll pour water on him who is thirsty. I will pour my spirit on your children, my blessing on your offspring. Isaiah 54, 13. All your children will be taught by the Lord. They'll have great peace. Isaiah 59, 21. 
My spirit that's on you and my words in your mouth, they will pass on to your children and to your children's children. Psalm 112 verse 3, your children will be mighty on the earth. Psalm 128 and verse 3, your children will be like olive plants around your table. Take these scriptures, pray over them. Pray these scriptures over your children. Proclaim these words over your children. Amen? God's promises are there for us to take a hold of. Final thought here before we pray. You know, fatherhood really flows from God because God is the ultimate father. Ephesians 3, 14, 15 says, For this reason I bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Meaning he is the ultimate parent. He's got this huge family in heaven and on earth. So as parents, we can learn our parenting from the father. And as parents, we are actually representing God the Father to our children. They need to see Him in us. His likeness in us. It will draw them to Him. Amen? Proverbs 76, the last verse. Children's children are the crown of old men. And the glory of children is their father. Or the glory of children is their parents. The glory of children is their parents. So parents, what kind of parents are we? Are we parents that our children will be proud of? That they will glory in? They will boast about? They will be thankful for? Say, God, thank you for giving me such parents in my life. The glory of children are their parents. Let's stand to our feet. I call a verse of Timah, please. We're going to take some time to pray here this morning. I want to pray for a couple of different things here. Some of us sitting here this morning or standing here at this moment may feel, you know, I heard all this wonderful thing about parenting. I wish my parents heard this sermon before they had me. Some of us could actually be carving hurts and wounds and bitterness, anger, ill feeling towards our own parents. Because even though their intentions were good, they were still ignorant about how to nurture children. And probably they did more harm than good. Probably some of us here this morning are carrying hurts and wounds and scars from what our parents have done, wrongly done, incorrectly done to us. But I want us to understand that God is our healer. He is the restorer of our souls. Nothing that has happened to us can leave us crippled in life. Because there is a God in heaven who can make us whole, get us back on our feet, 
set us on course to fulfill his dream for our lives. So I want us to pray for that very in the beginning. Sometimes even grown adults carry hurts, misgivings from their childhoods. But this morning or this afternoon, would you come face to face with Jesus, our healer? And say, Lord, yes, I went through a bad childhood. But this thing will not cripple me. It's not going to be detrimental, Lord. Today you will fix it. So that I can be a whole person and I can fulfill my destiny in God. The pain of the past will not ruin the promise of the future. Would you connect with God right now? Would you reach out to the Lord Jesus Christ who died for you on the cross? The Bible says the punishment to make us whole was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. Right now, would you reach out to the Lord? Say, Lord, heal me. Set me free. If you need to forgive, do that. Say, Lord, I release forgiveness. I know it's not easy. But take that step. God, I forgive my mom or my dad. For what they failed to do or what the wrong they did, I release it. Make me whole. Could we take a few moments, please, just to pray? And let God's healing virtue just flow through our soul, our mind, our emotions, our memories. Just making us whole, setting us free. He is the Father. He is our Father. He is your Father. Thank you, Lord. That you move every mountain, every burden, every weight. You move it, Lord. We just thank you. Before we close, parents, would you purpose on your heart this morning in response to the word that we heard? Saying that God, with your help, I want to be the kind of parent you want me to be for my children. It's not enough to hear a Sunday sermon. It's so important to go out and live it out in the world. In your home. For your own children. And maybe for other young men and women that God may connect to your lives. To your life. That you will impart into their lives as well. Would you pray? God help me. To fulfill this call. Of being a parent. Give me the grace to do it. Never mind the past. Never mind the mistakes. Never mind things that you did out of ignorance. It's okay. We all make mistakes. But with God's grace starting today, we can be better parents. Our homes can be better environments in which children, our children live and grow up in the Lord. Because God is looking
or godly offspring. So Lord, release this grace upon every parent here. And Lord, we also pray over the young men, the young women who are yet to be married. Release grace, O God. When the time comes, when they are married and set up their home and have their children, truly, Lord, you will have godly offspring raised up in every home. Mighty arrows, children who will be mighty on the earth for your kingdom's sake. We thank you. Let's close. Arise and shine. For your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Though darkness cover the earth and deep darkness the people, yet the Lord shall arise upon you. And His glory will be seen upon you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.